because it's your responsibility to prepare your heart to receive the word of God tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray right now that you would speak into each and every one of our hearts and our lives, that you would touch us and transform us, God, in such an incredible way that, God, we would never be the same again. God, do a work inside of our life. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, shout amen. Shout amen. Come on, high five three people around you and say, how's your faith? How's your faith? How is your faith? So here's the question. The question tonight is this. Did I tell you before that I love the book of James? I believe I have. I absolutely love the book of James. has to be one of my favorite books of the Bible because I just, just from beginning to end, it outlines practical Christianity, the how-tos of Christian living, how I can live a life that pleases God. That's my desire. I want to live a life that pleases God. Do I hear an amen? And it's just five chapters. You can literally read the book of James in probably about 12, 15 minutes. It's really a short book, but it's action-packed from beginning to end, being called the Proverbs of the New Testament. So I'm going to look at the last passage. This is our last of the current series of the book of James, and we're going to finish out the book of James. And if you're with us, we're going to turn to chapter 5 and begin in verse 13. And here's the passage that we're going to be sharing from tonight. And it says this, Is anyone among you suffering? Then let him what? Let him pray. That's a key truth that we're going to see throughout this entire message. Watch as we're reading this scripture, how many times it says about praying, prayer, the importance of prayer in your life. I'm telling you right now, prayer is a daily truth and something that needs to be exercised in your life every day. I'm excited. Sunday, we're starting a new series called Why We Do What We Do. And one of the things that we're going to be talking about this Sunday is prayer. Why do we pray? What's the importance of prayer for our lives? And we're going to be just breaking that down. So you need to be here. So is anyone amongst you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. That's not something weird, by the way. We're not talking about Crisco. We're not trying to deep fry you. Anointing oil is something we see in the Word of God, and it is symbolic of the Holy Spirit of God. And I love what Pastor Chris Hodges said. He says, when we are anointed with oil, 
It reminds us to put our eyes on Jesus and not on man. Don't you like that? It's not like man touching us, but it's the Holy Spirit. It reminds us of the work of the Holy Spirit in each and every one of our lives. Verse 15, and the prayer of faith. Note what it says, the prayer of faith. It doesn't just say a prayer. It says a prayer of faith. And that's what we're talking about tonight. How can I grow my faith? How can I have a better faith life? How can I have a better prayer life? How can I see my life change as my faith grows and develops? The prayer of faith, verse 15, will save the sick or heal the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Come on, say with me, God's promise. That's God's promise. Come on, the prayer will heal the sick and raise them up. But then there's almost like a kind of shift of thought right here. And we're going to come back to it a little bit later because it appears like something's changed in the dynamics because he's talking about praying the sick is going to be raised up. Then he says these words, and if he, if we have committed sins, our sins will be forgiven. Can someone say amen to that? Verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another. Let me just stop before we read the rest of that verse. Some people have have a problem with these words. They struggle with the fact of why should I confess my life? Why should I confess my sins to man? A lot of people have misunderstood this and therefore have missed something I believe very important. Listen, my confession to man doesn't save me. So I can't confess my faults to Kelly or whoever and they can give me the freedom in my life. Come on. But what is it? Only man can do that. Man is not my savior. But what did we hear on Sunday? But community, family, being together with other people is very important. I believe what James is right in here is this. You can't do life alone. You need some other people that you can talk to and share what's going on in your life. Are you with me? Not that they'll save you, but come on, that they can steer you in the truth. Because what do we see as we read on? It goes on that we can confess to them. And then what are they going to do? They're going to pray with us. So what are they doing? They're taking us to Jesus. We need to be around people who are taking us to Jesus. A lot of people taking us every which way. We need to be around people who are taking us to Jesus. You can't be alone in your sin. You need some people to help you and to encourage you, bring you to church, pick you up for church and be there. We will pray for one another, which is the importance of others in your life and read on that you may be healed. And the word there is more than just a physical healing. We're not just talking about that my bunions will be gone. Come on, we're not just talking about my corns will drop off my fingers. All those things can be important to us. But that's not the healing that he's talking about here. He's literally talking about you will have a complete healing. Every area of your life will be made completely whole. And then it says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. In other words, a prayer is powerful and effective. Prayer is what you need. In this passage, what we just read, James is really talking about divine healing. A lot of people struggle with divine healing. They have a lot of questions in regards to healing. I mean, what is divine healing? 
Can I believe that for my life? Is it something I need to believe? Is that a biblical thing? Is that still happening today? Is that for me? My answer is yes, 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 yes. I think I covered all the questions there. But there's a lot of mixed feelings and teachings when it comes to divine healing. And divine literally means this. Are you ready? From God. A healing from God. Not of man, but a healing from God. A miraculous healing that wants to take place in your life. Here's the misconceptions that we have. Some people swing so far out this way to what we call hyperfaith. Come on, blab it, grab it, name it, claim it. It's mine. I'm not sick. You're not sick. We're not sick. Praise God. But you know, the problem with that is this. The problem is that they say that if we are sick, then it's because of our fault. That's what that teaching preaches. Don't look at me crazy. Because what they say is, it means you either don't have enough faith or there is sin in your life. Can you see the confusion that causes in people if things don't happen as they want? They put themselves in guilt and condemnation. And God says, I haven't come to put you into condemnation. God said, I've come to put you in freedom. You would be really shocked. A young lady who used to attend our church, she's now in heaven with God. She, She took cancer. Uh, And within three months of finding out she had cancer, she went to be with Jesus. But just before she went to be with Jesus, I had the privilege of spending some time with her. And you know what she said to me? It broke my heart. She said, I had some people that I've known all my life that came by this house a couple of weeks ago. And he said, the main message or the main reason they came by my house was for me to confess my sins because it was because of sin they told me I had cancer in my body. that's not the cancer you need to worry about. That religious cancer is worse than any physical cancer. Come on, so people swing the opposite way. It's all hyper faith. Oh, I'm not sick. If you're not sick, then how can you need a healer? And then it swings back the other way and other people have believed like this, that God doesn't heal anymore. That healings were a thing of the past. It ended at the end of the Bible. And, and then when the Bible was finished being wrote, then God closed up sharp and Nothing has taken place since then. It's not happening. I would just say to you tonight, just look around you because it's still happening. Just look around you because it is. But here's really the biggest problem. No matter where we swing or where we find ourselves, I think the biggest problem that we have with divine healing, which is the promise of healing for every one of us, is this. Why does it not happen to everyone? That's the big question, really. That's the big question. Well, pastor, if that's a promise and God says we pray and God's going to heal them and he's going to lift them up, then why did that lady that you talk about pass away? We prayed for her. Why do the miracles not happen in my life? Why am I not seeing it? Why is everyone not getting healed? Why heal them and not others? I've got an answer for you tonight. You ready? You're taking notes. Here's my answer. You ready? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know why everyone doesn't get healed. I'm just being honest with you tonight. But what I believe many times is what we perceive to be a healing, we can sometimes get wrong from our perspective. Because how we see things and how things appear to us in our natural state is very different from how God sees things from his all-knowing state 
and power. Come on, we only see our need. We see the moment. But guess what? God sees it all. And listen to me, sometimes God's answer is heaven. Sometimes God's answer is heaven. And that's what we've got to see in our lives. Here's what I do know, though. And that is this. God always does the right thing. He always does the right thing, which we're probably only going to see later. It's sometimes hard to see that it's the right thing while we're in it. But hindsight is twenty twenty, isn't it, when we look back? And I don't think any of us could ever look back on what God has done in our life and say, God, you didn't do a good thing there. We didn't see it as good at the moment because he was chastising us or we felt like the heavens were closed. But God had to do that because there was a growth, there was a change, there was a development that needed to take place inside of us. And if he would have just jumped and been that spiritual ATM and just cashed out right then and there, we would never be the parent, the person in the position that we are. But we can look back and say, thank you, Jesus. Every one of us can look back and say, thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 55 and verse 9 from the New Living Translation says this, For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, speaking of God, he says, So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I want to go on record tonight saying I'm okay with that. I'm okay that God's thoughts are bigger than mine. I'm okay that He's greater than the things that I can comprehend. I'm okay that I don't get it all. Because if I don't get it all, that means He's God. Come on, if I get it all and comprehend it all and understand it all, then He's equal to me. And God ain't even close to equal with me. He is so far above. So I'm so glad that He is so big and I cannot fully comprehend Everything he does with my mortal mind. I'm okay with that. And we need to be okay with that. We need to be okay with the fact we don't always know why, but we know everything he does is good. And we need to just trust him and believe. I'm going to give you three simple points for a message tonight. Are you ready? Take notes tonight. Point number one, God still heals people. God is still in the healing business. Do I have a witness in the house? Anyone know the healing power of God in your life? I remember probably about a year and a half ago, a young lady who would come to our church, she wouldn't come very regular, but she would come. She called me up and it's someone that I've actually known for many years. And her son Nick had overdosed, taken a drug overdose. And he was in intensive care in the Lady of the Lake. And she called up and Miss Nancy took the call and I went to the intensive care to see the young man. And actually, the the exact time I got there, the doctor had just walked out of the room of the intensive care. And the mother was an absolute wreck. The father was there too, never met him before. But they were absolutely sobbing uncontrollably. And when I was able to just calm them down just a little bit, just to be able to try and hear what was going on, she said, we've just been told by the doctors that there is no brain activity in our son. 22 years of old age, I believe he was. No brain activity. They've told us that the only thing that they can suggest that we do right now is say our goodbyes and then allow them to pull the plug because 
All this machine is doing is keeping him alive. He is absolutely dead from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Imagine walking into a room like that. Imagine walking into an environment like that. And I said, well, can I say something? I still believe in the power of prayer. I still believe that God can heal this young man. And can I pray with you? And I took the hands of the mother and I took the hand of the father and I grabbed the toe, I think, of the young man in the bed. And, and I began to pray and I just began to speak life, and speak life and speak life. And a miracle took place, an absolute miracle. Three weeks later, I believe it was, that young man walked into church on a Sunday morning and sat right where Trey was sitting, right over there, giving glory and honor to God. God brought him back from a place of absolute death. Now, I don't say that because, hey, I'm nothing. I'm just a conduit. Come on, I can't heal a fly with a headache. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I I can't do it, but God can. And God is still in the healing business. And I believe why so many people are not healed today is because we don't give God the opportunity to move. I remember as a young man at school, a young girl fell on a hockey field. They were playing field hockey and this young girl fell and her arm was all messed up and it was broken. You could see the bone sticking out of her arm. It wasn't through the skin, but it was really messed up. In front of all my peers and kids at school, I got down on my knees and I prayed for that young girl. And by the time she got to the hospital and they did x-rays, her arm was perfectly normal and everything was fine. You see, if we would give God, our fear is this, what if God doesn't? Can I tell you right now, if you don't pray, he never will. You will never know. Give God the opportunity. You're not God. So if someone says, well, God didn't move. Hey, that's on God. That's on me. I'm praying and I'm believing and I'm trusting God. Come on, I want to see my faith grow. I need to realize that God is still in the healing business. And for those of you who said, well, you know, I kind of believe that and maybe he did back then but he doesn't right now how do you deal with this truth are you ready Hebrews 13 verse 8 that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever I mean how do you deal with that that means he was he is and he will be so what does that mean he was the healer he is the healer and he will be the healing that I need we need in our lives because he's the same But pastor, but what about when I don't see it? And we've all been there. We've all been there. Maybe you're there right now. You're praying and it seems like nothing is happening. Here's another great promise from God. Are you ready? 2 Timothy 4 verse 18 says these, And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work, every sickness, every adversity, every trial, every pressure I'm facing in my life. What does it say? The Lord will deliver me from that. And what does it say? And preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. One translation says it this way. And so he'll deliver me. And then it goes on to say, and he will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. So God will maybe heal me or maybe he'll take me. Do you see that? That's what the passage, the promise is. But what's the answer? To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So pastor, which is it that he's going to heal me or take me? Both. He can do either or. They're both the same thing. In other words, God can give me a miracle here. And I can maybe have that miracle here. But I will be a miracle there. Come on, I can maybe have a miracle, but I will be a miracle there. Yes, it takes faith to believe in God. Yes, it takes faith to trust in God. 
But it's faith that works. It's faith that works. Point number two, are you ready? God is also concerned about your soul. He's talking about divine healing, but then in the middle, he changes everything. And what does he say in James verse 15, 5.15? And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. I'm telling you tonight, God is more interested in your soul, in your salvation, than anything else. So what's the greatest healing that we can experience? Is it physical or is it spiritual? It's spiritual. Why? Because I can be well here and not know Jesus and won't make it to heaven. But I can be sick here and know Jesus and I'm going to make it to heaven. Because what changes everything is my state of knowing Christ or being known by Christ. Do you know him? Does he know you? Because God is more concerned about your soul. Luke 10, 19 and 20, it says, Behold, Jesus speaks to his disciples. He said, Behold, I give you authority. I love this. To trample on serpents and scorpions. In other words, what he's saying, I give you over demonic activities that may happen. I'm giving you power over all the powers of the enemy. Nothing by any means shall hurt you. Now that sounds good. That sounds awesome. But he's not finished. Because in verse 20, he says, Nevertheless... Or however, do not rejoice in that, is what he said. Don't rejoice in that the spirits are subjected to you, but rather, here's the joy that God has. The joy is this, that your name is written in the book of life. That your name is written in heaven. What is he saying there? Oh, you can have power. You can have healing. You can have breakthroughs. You can have miracles. However... There's something greater than all of that. A relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, the most important thing is your soul, not the tent, which is our body that is perishing all around it. The most important thing is that which will live on for eternity, either in heaven or in hell. Point number three. You're with me tonight? God wants your faith to grow. God wants you to grow. As a pastor, we want you to grow. That's why we want you in church, so you can hear the word. Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You need to hear the word of God. We need our faith to grow. That's what we're talking about tonight. Realizing this, we're all on a faith journey. A journey of faith. Or I pray every one of us are. And here's the journey that we're on, or the struggles that we face on our journey. Are you ready? Sometimes... We need that faith of God in our lives for the in-betweens. Come on. We need the faith to believe God in between. That's the journey of faith I believe we're on. When everything's going good, everything's good. But when troubles happen and we're in between a job. Come on. We're in between a bill. Come on. We don't have the money. We're in between an emotion. We're in between a fight in our house with our spouse. We're in, that's when the journey of faith really kicks in. Because that's when we know whether we're really trusting in God or not. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. I love one translation says this, We must believe that God exists. 
and that he is what? A rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So let's read on in our passage. You're ready? James, James, James. We left off in verse 16. So let's pick up in verse 17 because I want you to see something here of how God wants to grow your faith, how he wants to increase your prayer life. So your life of faith will grow inside of you. James 5, 17 and 18 says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. James, as this would be read in many circles of the day, people would have gone, (gasps) because what he's saying is this, Elijah was just a human being like every one of us. To most of these people, he was a superstar. The miracles he did, he called fire down from heaven. What? He was just like every one of us, sure was. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Three and a half years, it didn't rain. Verse 18, and he prayed again. And the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Picture this. He prayed, no rain. He prayed again and it rained. But is that right? Yes, But really, no. Can I show you? Let's look quickly at the story of Elijah. Let's jump back to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Galil said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew or rain these years, three and a half years, except at my word. Come on, if we want to see our faith grow, there's three observations I want to show you. Are you ready? Observation number one, faith always has to begin with a word from God. It has to be a word of God. Elijah says, as the Lord God lives, I am speaking as he has instructed me. So I'm not saying it's not going to rain. I'm just saying what God has told me and I am speaking the word of God. Come on. Can we see why important, why it's so important for us to have a word from God? Come on, a promise from God for our lives. It's not just something I feel. It's not just an emotional move that I want to have in my life. So I kind of feel this or I kind of want this. You've got to have a word for God and from God in your life. And you want to know the test if it's from God? It's going to come to pass. You want to know if it's God? It's going to come to pass. Oh, there's other tests. It's never going to be contrary to his word. He'll never tell you to go against his word. And it's something that can be confirmed by other people around you. But the greatest test is this. If you know it's God because he said it, he's going to bring it to pass. How do we know this? Numbers 23, 19. He says these words. God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it? Will he not do it? Has he not spoken it and will he not make it good will he not bring it to pass but pastor what about my prayer I prayed I thought I had a word from God I I thought I had a promise from God but it didn't happen look again look again because are you sure it didn't happen Or maybe it just didn't happen like you thought it should. 
what you thought it should look like, it maybe doesn't look like that. But does it mean that God hasn't brought it to pass? Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to be void, but it shall accomplish what? Note, what does it say? What I please. That I is not talking about you. That I is talking about God. This is God speaking. Come on, God says, My word will not return void, and it will accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper for the things for which I have what? Sent it. It's according to His purpose. It's according to His desire and not yours. And that lies the problem. Because so many times we speak things, we speak things. So many times we misuse that thought. And God told me this. Be very careful when you throw out God told you to do something. Because if you're doing something completely different the next time, you're making God look a fool. Because God doesn't change his mind. God says it, he is going to perform it and he's going to do it. And he's going to do it as he pleases and as he sends. Not according to your plan. So what was the first test? The first observation is this. It always begins. Faith begins with a word from God. Number two, are you ready? Faith continues. So hold on. Hold on. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, hold on. Mm. Come on. Sometimes things don't happen straight away. We live in such an instant society and we want it now. But God knows the harm that it may cause us to give us something instantly. But what does he require of us during that time for us to hold on, not to quit, not to give up and not to destroy someone else's dream? What do I mean by that? Because we can so easily kill someone or give up on that. I tried that for so long. It never worked for me. Come on, just because it's not working in your life, you've got to keep holding on. But don't shoot someone else's dream down in the process. 1 Kings 18, back to the story. 1 Kings 18, 42 and 43. Remember we read in James, he prayed it it didn't rain and he prayed and it rained. Come on, we're reading really the true story. Not that that's a fake story, but we're really reading the true story here. You ready? 1 Kings 18, 42, 43. So Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. That he bowed down on the ground and he put his face between his knees. In other words, he prayed. And he said to his servant, go up now and look towards the sea. So he went up and he looked looked and came back and said to him, what? Nothing. Hold on a second. James said he prayed and it just rained. True story here is he prayed and nothing happened the first time. Come on now. He prayed again and again and again. Seven times he sent his servant back. And every time there was nothing. There's not a magical number of seven. Seven's a great number. It's the number of God. It's the number of completion and perfection. That's not the thought that we've got to pray seven times. But what the thought is this, we've got to be persistent in our prayer. We've got to be persistent in our faith. If we're not seeing it happen, then we'd be back at the altar again next week praying. And if we don't see it then, we're going to keep on praying because we're going to keep, because God's given me a word and I'm going to build my life upon it and I'm going to be sure and I'm going to see it come to pass. You cannot give up. Keep going back. Keep praying. Well, that's a different story to what we read in James, isn't it? He prayed and it stopped raining. He prayed and it started raining. No, he prayed and nothing happened. 
And he prayed and nothing happened. And he prayed and nothing happened. And then the seventh time, all there was was a cloud the size of a man's hand. It wasn't very big. Here's what I want to tell you tonight. It may appear to be small. It may look small, but here's the question. Is it small? Have you ever seen an aeroplane in the sky? Looks like you could grab it between your fingers right here, huh? And you could hold it. How many knows that that aeroplane is not that big? But that aeroplane is really big. You couldn't even hold that with one hand. You couldn't even do anything with that. And that thing would just crush you to nothing. What do we know then? It's maybe not small. We're just maybe distant from it. And therefore our perspective or how we see it makes it appear to be smaller than what it is. Distance determines the size. What do we know about prayer? Can I tell you? Prayer brings us closer to God. Prayer eliminates the distance and reestablishes relationship. So we may be seeing something and say, that's it. Man, we've got to get a little bit closer because the closer we get, we'll understand it may look like a man's hand from the distance, but it's a cloud that's going to fill the sky. It's a cloud that's going to bring forth rain like they have never seen before. What are you telling me, Pastor? Galatians 6, 9. I'm glad you asked me. Let us not grow weary while doing good, while having faith, believing, standing upon God. Why? For in due season, one translation says, in the proper time, we're going to reap if we don't quit, give up, lose heart, go home and say, enough is enough. Come on, I'm supposed to be teaching tonight and I'm preaching tonight and the heavens are opening up outside. Can you hear? It's a cloud the size of a man's hand. So come on, don't let go. Grab a hold. Observation number three. Faith is a process. It's a process. It's a process. There's no cloud six times. Seventh time, only the size of a man's hand. It's only small. Listen to me. Your faith may start small, but it desires to grow big. God doesn't want it small. That's where it starts. But God wants it to grow big. Verse 45 and 46. Now, it happened in the meantime that the sky became black, a small cloud. Now fills the sky. One translation said the, the sky grew black. Man, it just, whoa, it just grew bigger and bigger with clouds and wind. And there was heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Verse 46, then the hand of the Lord. I love this, the supernatural. You ready? God wants to do something supernatural in our lives, through our lives, in our families, in every area. The hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girt up his loins. In other words, he had a long robe on. He grabbed that robe, tucked it in his belt because he needed some leg room. Come on. He was about to run. He was about to take off and get going. And he what? He ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Come on, you've got to see this. Ahab's on a chariot riding with two horses and all of a sudden riding behind, running past him is Elijah. That doesn't happen. A man doesn't outrun a horse. Why? Because supernaturally something took place. He's a man. So what happens? Come on, here's what you've got to see. Are you ready? Taking notes? God takes small 
beginnings and does more than we even ask for. Have you ever looked back when you asked God to give you a spouse and you look back and you're like, man, God, did you hook me up? Man, am I an overachiever or what? I got so much more. Have you ever looked back at the miracles that you prayed God to give to you and now God kind of just shows off a little bit and He gives you so much more? Why? Because there's a process. Faith is a process. Zechariah 4 and verse 10 says, Do not despise the day of small things. One translation says it this way, Small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Begin. God doesn't rejoice to see the work end. God rejoices to see the work begin. We like the grand finale. Come on, we, we, we like it. We, we, we're result driven. We want the results. Give it to us right now. But while we're longing for the grand finale, God's heart is in the small beginning. Why? Because we like the results, but God loves the process that takes us to the result. Why? Because He's not interested so much in where we're going. He's more interested in who we are when we arrive there. Come on, come on. Can I hear a witness in the house? You see, we want just the boom and the fireworks and everything. And God says, no, I want it to begin inside of you so I can do a great work. Why is that? Why is that? Let me ask you this question. When are you the closest to God? Are you the closest to God in your need or in your answer? In your need. Why? Because your need is that which drives you to your needs. Your need is that which has you in church because you move things on your calendar when you have a need because you're going to be in church. Uh, Hey, sorry, I can't go to the movies tonight. I've got a need. I'm going to be in church. That drives us to the need. And I began to think of this. I think being a parent is so incredible. And just the ages, we have a 16-year-old today. Molly turns 16 today and driver's license and all these things. And you like to see them. And Robert was talking about this the other night. It's amazing how, how kids, you can be so close and do so much. And they grow up and then it's almost like, oh, dad, you know, and, and they kind of, I thought and I began to reflect back. You know, my favorite time, I believe, of being a parent is this. My favorite time of being a parent is when you would just lay on your recliner or the couch and you just have your baby just laying right on your chest. As we say in Scotland, where my mum's from, laying in your bosey. And they're just laying in your bosey and they're just laying there and you can just feel them breathe and it's like they're just breathing with you. And that to me, I think, is the most favorite time I ever remember in my kids. And just think about this. That's God's favorite time too. Not when you're independent and running around and saying, I've got this. God's saying, I love the small beginnings. I love the fact when you come back again. You see, sometimes the reason why we don't get what we want when we think we need it is because God says you need something more. Uh, And what you need more is not that new car that you're praying for, that new job. What you need more than anything is me right now. You just need to reconnect with me. Just reconnect with me. You see, what you've got to understand about God is this. The process is his point. And the point is the process. Because through the process, God is doing something. 
But when I can get to the end, then no, God, it's through. The point is the process that God wants to bring you through. I've got to end this tonight. Two more vo- verses and then we're going to finish. Let's just read the end of James. James 5, 19 and 20, last two verses. And again, it's almost like James just shifts again. And he says these words, he says, Brethren, if there is anyone amongst you that wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. James closes this book this way, I believe, for a reason. So many times all we want to see is us. God, do for me. Be, heal, restore. All these things. And we've heard all the things that God wants to do. He wants to change the way we speak. He, he wants to build our lives. James is incredible. All the things that God does want to do for us. But then how does James end the book? He doesn't end the book with us seeing us. But James ends the book by us seeing them. By us seeing other people, realizing that God is changing us and transforming us for this reason, so we can help bring change and transformation to other people. You see, we can read the book of James and here's what we can say. Look at this statement. Are you ready? We get all this. We get all this. But why do we get all this? Have you got the next slide, Michael? We get all this for what reason? So we can give all this. So we can give it to other people. Don't ever forget that really the mission that God has for you is to go out and touch a life. And your life changed, transformed to be that witness that he wants you to be, that Christian. Because he's now saying, I've given you all the practical principles to live like a Christian. For what reason? Now go out and be the Christian. And share that light and be that light and bring other people to me. Because in everything we face, don't forget, it's all really about heaven. Come on. It's all really about someone else getting saved. Because it's really all about eternal life. Because where are we going to spend it? Either in heaven or in hell. I love the book of James. I love practical Christianity. But it doesn't get more practical than live right. So other people can see the way. And other people can know God. Would you stand to your feet all over this place tonight? Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Faith, growing in faith. It's the process. God's taking us. He's doing something. He's building something. Don't question. Have confidence. Get a word from God. Stand on that word. Don't be denied. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't despise small beginnings because the point is the process. The process is the point. God wants to do something inside of you. Every head, every eye bowed in this place. Every head bowed, every eye closed. That's what I need to say. Who needed to hear that tonight? Come on, just put your hand up. I need to hear that tonight. Need to hear that tonight. Got some things in my life that I'm going through. Come on, who's waiting on a word from God and it's not happened yet? Come on, come on. If that's you right now, come on all over this place. Just begin to come to the altar right now. Come on, come on. We're seeking God. We're coming back again. 
It's maybe the hundredth time. It's maybe the hundred and twentieth time. It's maybe the sixth time, the twelfth time. Who cares? We're coming back to God because you know what? We're not going to be denied. Come on, we're waiting for that healing. We're waiting for that breakthrough. Our kids are going to come back to Christ. Come on, that addiction is going to be defeated and we're going to reign victorious. We're going to see great things. Come on, we're not going to be denied. This is our moment. And guess what? If God doesn't do it tonight, I'm going to be back tomorrow believing the same way. And I'm going to be back the next time. And I don't care what other people think. I know what God's told me and I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to trust him. Come on, can I get some help right now? Can someone just come and stand beside these people? Can we get some people to stand with them? There you go. Come on, there you go. Just to stand with them and just just believe with them. Come on, what are we saying as we put our hand on your shoulder, as we come alongside you? What we're saying is we join with you. We believe with you. Come on, we're standing in agreement with you. We're rejoicing with you on the way to your miracle or really we're rejoicing in your miracle on the way to our miracle because we're going to see it happen for us too. We're going to see God move in the name of Jesus right now, God. We just pray that, God, you would move in our lives, God. We're just so thankful tonight, God, for the process that we're in. We're all in a journey. We're in a faith journey. But God, we would not quit in that journey, but we would keep trusting you. We would understand the importance of prayer and giving our lives to you and placing our lives at your feet. God, just trusting you with every aspect and part of our lives. Because God, you're so awesome. God, we can't do it on our own. And God, with all of our problems and our prayers and our needs, God, may we never forget, God, that there's other needs outside of us and there's lives that we need to touch and reach. May we not be so full of ourselves that, God, we forget, God, what we're full of and what we need to be full of and is your power to go out and tell other people, God. And God, we pray for victories. We pray for breakthroughs. We pray tonight would be the night, God, that there would be a cloud that would appear in that life, in that circumstance. There would be a healing that would take place. There would be hope that would rise. God, that marriage would be reconciled. That addiction would be broken. Come on, God, we cry out to you knowing, God, that you're able to do it because, God, you do what you will and what you purpose and what you plan and everything you do is good. And God, we thank you for that. We praise you for that in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you agree with that, come on, shout amen in the house. Come on, come on, come on, that's mine. Come on, say it with me, it's mine. Come on, it's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. mine. Just before we dismiss the service tonight, I just want to ask, is there anyone here that you don't know Jesus? Is there anyone that you would say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Christ? Because like we just read, how crazy would we be to end? And that's why we never end a service here without giving an opportunity for salvation. Why? Because what we just read in James. Come on, if we're giving someone the opportunity to turn their life around, we're saving a life. We're saving a soul from hell. And you know why we exist as a church? To save a soul from hell. Come on, I said we exist to save a soul from hell. We don't exist for you to come because we're the church and we exist for the world. We exist to save another soul. Is there anyone that will put up their hand and say, Pastor Colin, is there anyone else that would say, you know, I I just want to make it right. Is there anyone else? Come on, if that's you right now, just, just come down here with us, Colin and Gordon, and just stand. Is there anyone else? Come on, tonight is your night. Don't let it pass you by. Is there anyone? Well, let's pray this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, 
thank you tonight that you love me so much. And God, I thank you for forgiving me so much. Because God, when I look at my life, I'm so unworthy. But for your grace and mercy. And God, I thank you tonight that I'm free in you. That I'm a new person in you. That this is my new day. This is my new life. And God, I am changed forever. In the name of Jesus. Shout amen in the house. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.